Welcome to Wealth Stories, a brand new podcast brought to you by London Capital, offering straight talk and clear thinking around stories of wealth. Every episode, Robert Paul is joined by an expert from London Capital and a special guest to share their experiences and insights around topics ranging from divorce to the psychological effects of coming into wealth. Welcome to this episode of Well Stories. My name is Robert Paul. I'm a partner and head of the US Family Office at London Capital, and I'm delighted to be hosting this episode uh, alongside Janice Lloyd, a partner at SRLV Accountants. Welcome, Janice. Thank you. And a colleague of mine, uh, Jonathan Gold, Executive Director in the US Family Office. Hi, Johnny. Hi, Rob. So today we are going to be talking all things media, entertainment, sports, essentially high-profile families, all right, and how from uh, the different perspectives of our industries, we have experience working with these families and why they might be uh, subject to slightly different interpretation, management, lifestyles than your normal private client. Uh, But before we get onto that, maybe uh, if each of you could spend 30 seconds, tops, uh, introducing uh, yourselves, your business and your roles. Uh, and then we can get cracking. So Janice, I'll start with you. Thank you, Rob. I'm a partner at SRLV. We're an accountancy practice. We're based over in the West End of London. And as a practice, we work alongside entrepreneurs and talent in a number of industries. But we do have a very large presence in media, entertainment and sport. And we look after them from a financial perspective and help guide and lead them through the myriads of compliance and advice. Fantastic. And uh, Johnny, talking of talent, Johnny... That's very kind of you, Rob. I work for London and Capitals, we have to sort of say that. <laughs> I, I'm a director of the US team working alongside yourself, uh, looking after a range of US-connected clients, uh, some of whom are in the entertainment and media space, have a lot of complication, not just around their investments, which we look after, but trying to get them organised on a global basis around their f- tax efficiency as well. So that's my, uh, my background. Fantastic. So let's start... Um, by talking about these clients, right? Rather than any specifics about what they should, shouldn't do, challenge, challenge their face, you know, what does a typical media entertainment talent, as, as you refer to it, Janice, client have to think about suffer, which is slightly different to your normal employed or partner at law firm or business exec? It's interesting you say you know, who don't have sort of planned pathways, because I think that's probably one of the biggest attributes of of, of talent. Their life career plan is maybe not as well set out as maybe ours might be. And that brings with it a lot of different challenges, certainly around money, but also around planning and their future and the things that they focus on. With a creative mind, finances I find is is kind of far down the list and and for us it's important to help give them a an understanding and a perspective around the things they should be aware of as they go through the start of their careers which can be very different to the careers that we have where young people come into quite significant amounts of money early with little or no history or background with dealing with money and then their career doesn't provide a constant flow of income or a you know a constant pathway for them so they just need a bit of help navigating their day-to-day life and understanding how their financial future will pan out 
I, I think the it, there isn't a, a homogenous set of individuals, and there's sometimes a difference also between the creative type or the sports person who is passionate about their sport. And today, where we have instant celebrities or people who think they want to be famous because that equals money, and uh, the creative or the sports person who starts off on that journey doesn't necessarily think about the money. It's a byproduct of what they're doing. Often the business person who's starting in a business or the lawyer is thinking, well, this is a lucrative career. And the more creative an individual is in this space, then actually the further removed they often are from that money side of things. It, it, it's almost, I, I, I'm too uh, talented to want to think about the money. So that's an, that was going to be my first question, actually, to you. So you preempted that, uh, Johnny, is... You know, when you have these talented individuals, be it musicians, sports persons, whatever it might be, they spend a long time perfecting their talent. Do we think, do we believe, do we see that money is almost a byproduct that they know might be there, but their focus is actually on the music or the the film or, you know, achieving playing for England or whatever it might be, and the money comes with it? Or is it something that, you know, I suppose more so on the, the sort of social media generation today, it's about getting rich i've seen both and if i was to talk about the success stories of the people who i see continuing to be successful in their sports career for example they're the ones who came and said i'm not as interested about the money because if i continue focusing on being successful then that will follow whereas other people who i've seen that perhaps it was more about the money and visually presenting an image where they are successful and spending money, the ostentatious expenditure, if you want to put it that way. I can see their career and I can see that they haven't fared as well. So it depends on the level of engagement of the individual. Uh, and obviously each person is different. So I've experienced of both. Yeah. Same view, Janice? Yeah, I would echo that. And I think you're right. If you're incredibly talented, it is where you want to focus. And the other aspects of business because that is effectively still what you end up being you are an entrepreneur you're just a highly incredibly creative entrepreneur the other aspects of the business you just don't hold any kind of interest so I think those I agree with Johnny that the, the more in the art you are the more success you tend to have but you do need to still have that business mindset because as we know some of these careers are short and there needs to be some form of plan for the future and, and understanding the wider picture helps with that and, and in the longer term. Makes perfect sense. And you've touched on a point there, short careers. Um, I think we were speaking actually before we started recording about, you know, maybe suddenly a, a role model in a family or having dependents of a broader family if you're the first person to have come through and, and made wealth. You know, so what, what are some of the characteristics that tend to come with this type of, this type of family or person? Well, I think the, the individual that you talk about isn't necessarily just feeding the family, as it were. Sometimes they're feeding the community. Uh, and it depends on the background that you've come from. And in certain social environments that you've come from, you are the, busy, the biggest success story, visually. And if you continue to have a part to play in that community, or you reside in that community, or your family still live there, there can be challenges around the expectations for what you are meant to provide. And as Janice is saying, 
you don't start the career being the most successful that you can be. And that means financially as well. But people either don't know or care about that uh, in, in terms of the, the environment. And there's an expectation, a bit like a lottery winner, well, you're just going to fund their lifestyle from now on. And I think that's a, a large burden for these people to to have to face. And they're not necessarily mentally, financially, socially or professionally sufficiently engaged to, to be able to deal with all of that so early in their careers. Yeah, I think that's true. I think you often see people who come into money, an amount of money from exploiting their talent, and they actually want to take care of family. You know, there is um, a responsibility for them. You have to be able to help them understand what that might look like and how they might achieve that. At the same time, balancing a number of the other characteristics that come with these type of clients and, and, and talent where some of the money they're getting is expected to last a long period of time. You know, if you're talking about album advances, there's a time for the album to be created. There's a time for the album to be released. There's a time for the album to be exploited. That could stretch two, three years. You've had a sum of money up front from which costs are deductible, tax is payable, and you want to achieve so much with it. And as Johnny alludes to, with social media pressures and community pressures, you also want to hold yourself in a certain lifestyle because that's what's expected of somebody who's in that role. And it doesn't take long before there's a lot of pull on the resources that, you know, you've got. And it's very easy for people to live beyond their means. I suppose later on in your career, you're used to that. You've ebbed and flowed with advances or, you know, you've had the experience of having, you know, tournament wins and then and then going through periods where, you know, you're not winning tournaments, um, et cetera, et cetera. I suppose when you're first, that first advance, you know, that first tournament win, I think it was uh, the golfer Willett who bought a Lamborghini, didn't he, when he first won the Masters or something like that. Um, uh, and then, you know, he returned it or something. Maybe, I'm, maybe I've read the wrong story and that's a load of nonsense. But that's an example we're going to use. You know, that, that's an interesting sort of mindset to switch from having no concept of before to suddenly now having to factor it all in. It can be so precarious. And I work with a client who is involved with the Buffalo Bills NFL franchise. Tragically, this year, one of their players, who I guess the, the good news is he, he's recovering, a guy called Damar Hamlin, who's a player, had a heart attack on the pitch. Not the first time an athlete has had one of these. But to get into the NFL is almost like winning the lottery, yeah. but with talent rather than the luck. And the people around them, if you ever watch the draft, I mean, the success just to make it into there, but you're a rookie and you're not paid the big bucks. Even the superstar quarterback that you might see playing hasn't necessarily achieved the big money. So for this individual, and I don't know his circumstances, but it brings it home to me that his whole career could be wiped out. It's tragically in a tackle. And US sports even more brutal than other sports, perhaps. You can insure yourself against this, and that would be the guidance. But a lot of the numbers that people read, the headlines, the big numbers, the contracts... They're not what people have earned. Never mind after tax and all the things that we may talk about in terms of the tax side of things, but just in terms of actually fulfilling your obligation under the contract. And, and I think that's key. But the individuals around them, as they earn that money, I'm sure they celebrated when they got that contract, and rightly so. But there's a precarious nature of this industry, which is unlike perhaps other things that people do for a living. 
So let, let's, you know, ultimately, this is a, a wonderfully positive position for these people to be in, you know, that they have, they have, you know, found success through some sort of art form. I'm going to say sport is an art form as a big sports fan. Not uh, my golf. Uh, no, 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 no. Not watching me play sport might not be an art form, but uh, hypothetically speaking, sport is an art form. And so that's great. So, so what's the first thing or one of the key elements that each of you speak to these families about or these, these artists about um, to say, look, fantastic, but let's just make sure that we're aware of this and, and think about this. That, that's what I think would be really valuable. I think for us, it's cash flow planning and helping them understand the money they've received, the money they will receive, the timing around that and the obligations that go with it. Not only, as Johnny says, for the for them to fulfill the obligations in the contractor to move through that contract, but also to make that money last for them and support a secure lifestyle. And I think the security is an important element for these people because of the precarious nature because of the potential short-lived careers, because of what I would say lumpy income flows, not like us on our, you know, monthly earnings. There is periods of time that they will have to stretch that money through. So we spend time with them cash flow planning to make sure they understand their disposable income and, and the lifestyle that they can afford to have. And I suppose that's the real disposable income. You know, again, we were talking off air, I like saying that, um, even though we're not on air, we're recorded, but that's not the point. Um, off air that, you know, that contract of, of $10 million is a gross figure. Yeah. In the industry, it's very common to talk in gross numbers. It's very common to talk in gross numbers. And, and certainly the headlines in the paper are, are typically gross numbers. So it does create this illusion of wealth when you do have a number of costs and taxes to take off of that. Yeah. Um, so what somebody really earns is very different to what they potentially are told in gross numbers. Yeah. Although the football numbers have got so big that people have to talk in weekly salaries just to try and make it sound more humble and modest <laughs> for the person on the street because they're only earning £300,000 a week. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> yeah, no, ex- extraordinary. And um, it, you know, if, we, if we lead into sort of relationships, trust, we use someone like, uh, Lewis Hamilton, right? Who's not a client, but if he's listening, we're here for you, Lewis. Um, it, you know, he started out in karting with his father as his manager, you know, and then you saw this sort of, his father was his manager in his first years in Formula One, and now his father is no longer his manager, but they sort of broke up and, and what have you. You know, that is probably a very, very common occurrence. You know, I, I know there's lots of early talent scouts, et cetera, et cetera. So h- how do you see the ecosystem around these these people when inherently they're public in one way or another and therefore uh, attractive in one way or another to, to different families and making sure they have the right people around them and trust, you know, that must be a very challenging element. You know, you talk about the professional services advisors uh, and actually to answer the, pro- the previous question that you asked about what you would talk to them about, the team is critical. And that's the same for every client that we speak to, whether they're a highly successful or well-known or just somebody who has inherited the money, but making sure they've got the right advice and the right team around them. You take Lewis Hamilton. I don't know his personal circumstances, but when he was karting, clearly he was doing this for love and it wasn't about the money. But fast forward and just 
looking at the success that somebody like that in that position with both their earnings, their sponsorship and, and, and everything that goes with it, they become a multi-million dollar business. Mm. And that's the perspective that changes because yes, your dad was looking after you, taking you to your karting and that's great. And he helped you get your first contract. But now you're a $50 million a year business and you're the key employee. So you wouldn't be running a $50 million business, not saying his dad isn't the person to do it, but it's not necessarily the case that your relatives are the right people to do this. And in the same way that someone who is an entrepreneur that founds a business can outgrow that business because they've got the ability to seed it, to get it started, but they haven't necessarily got the growth capacity or or the leadership, whatever it, it might be, to take it to the next level. And I think that is critical with these individuals is, and the ones that I have seen where I've worked with them as well that are the most successful, they have their own business. It's called a family office, but it's a business. And that takes care of all elements. Travel, someone who looks after travel and accommodation, someone who looks after accounting or spending, someone who looks after the investment side of things. And that's how the business needs to evolve in the same way that we run our businesses or our businesses are run. We have specialists who look after different parts. And Janice, do you see when, when, when they come into you, have they, has the penny dropped for them to a lesser or greater extent? Or is there still huge cynicism that, that you face when you first sit down with a family? Um, I think it's a mix. I think it's, it's being aware. It's knowing when you need extra help. It's not saying that those people are displaced. Not at all. There is, a, as you say, there's a huge amount of trust needed in these relationships. So you wouldn't necessarily change your whole team because you've got bigger, but you would look to add on the additional services that you need and seek the right help. And you see both sides. You see people who don't want to relinquish and say, we need help and, and, and try to muddle through. And then you see other people who say, look, I know my limitations and I now need some help in these areas. And seeking that help is the right thing to do to make sure that as the the whole team is right and the client is is properly advised and that can be a mix a mix of existing people because they still are have got value that they bring and they've got the relationships or it can be you know I've ha- I've outgrown and I do now need to move on i think it's just trying to make people understand to be engaged enough to identify the points where you need to go and ask for help mm. No, that makes a lot of sense. And then typically, you know, we can't avoid the international element, right? Because whether you're a, a sports, music, film, you are to a lesser or greater extent um, going to be traveling, right? And I suppose the first instance, Janice, you know, you have to think about people who suddenly are working in a different country. You know, it might be a, a, a British person, they live in the UK, they are UK through and through, but they're now making a film in LA, you know, or wherever it might be, you know, what, what does that suddenly cause from your perspective? And what, what do you say to families or, or to these artists and say, look, just be aware? Yeah, I mean, moving jurisdictions, moving countries creates issues that people don't normally foresee, certainly around cash flow, certainly around currencies, certainly around even visas. 
just to get in and work. You know, Brexit has has brought with it a headache for touring artists who want to go and tour in Europe. Those things I don't think were thought through and there isn't a solution that's easy at the moment, but you have to plan for that. And with that comes additional costs. So when you are looking at going on tour, for instance, these things have to be factored in. And I suppose it is where it's different is if if one was thinking, okay, I'm now going to move to, use my example a minute ago, LA and have my career out there, then I suppose that's more front and centre. I'm moving country, I'm living somewhere else, I need to be cognizant of those rules. But in your example of touring, could be totally oblivious. Well, I'm just going to sing a few songs um, in different countries around the world. You know, what difference does it make? Yeah, and every country is different. So the rules in every country are different. Um, I think what comes as a surprise for most talent is that the country you're performing has the right to take tax off you in that country and they'll actually take it off the fee they pay you. So if you're using your funds to cash flow at all, suddenly you could be short of money to to get to the next destination because you've had tax deducted clearly there's things you can do to minimize that but you have to plan that and you have to do that up front so it's just an awareness again of trying to engage the talent and the people around them just to make them aware of these things so that you know they don't find themselves trying to pay a hotel bill (laughs) there was an example you gave us when we were talking before about lady gargoyles in the press yeah uh, where she had been touring and... Yeah, I mean, she reports that she was nearly bankrupt and was £3 million in debt after a monster tour. Surprisingly, she had no knowledge of this until people were asking her about it. And this is one of the potential pitfalls. We can surmise why she was £3 in debt. But, you know, there are a number of situations where you could see that happening really quite easily. And it's... I think for me, the biggest thing is that she was unaware. Yeah. Now, there is an an element that people will want to protect the artist and not bother them with something that's going on so that they can concentrate on their art and and do their day job. And I think it comes down to how engaged is the artist with their finances and what do they need to know? Well, this touches on the point of sort of managers as well, I suppose, isn't it? Because to a lesser or greater extent, whereas agents or managers, they're heavily involved, usually almost always have the ear of the artist or the trust of the artist or the professional. I need to find a more generic term for it. And so often they leave all of this to a lesser or greater extent to that person. So, you know, what's the interaction you both have with that sort of second layer? And obviously that making a massive assumption, must be a pretty good relationship. Yeah, it is. And I think for, for us, we definitely have a prerogative and, and, and try to push to, to meet the artists to make sure that we do understand their level of understanding and what's important to them and that we can help focus on their needs. But you're right, you end up working with the team around the artists and there's some fantastic teams out there that do ensure that these finances are discussed and that the artist is aware of budgets and cash flows and to to, to the extent that they need to to make the decisions that they have to in the same way that you meet any client you want to sit down in front of that person and understand what motivates them what their risk profile is and that doesn't mean ticking boxes it's understanding that individual what their objectives are and if you're working with intermediaries who are acting as a gatekeeper beyond that conversation it's difficult to necessarily be able to answer all of those questions i I, sat down in front of some 
some celebrities when we were asked to pitch for uh, some of their investments. And I, I asked them what, what had brought this about. And they said to me, uh, you know, we've got loads and loads and loads of eggs in one basket. And it was a, a, a duo and the other one quick as a flash tin. And I thought you were going to say we've got loads and loads of money. <laughs> but being able to ask them the question about what is motivating them is important because they understood diversification. And it, it was about that. Whereas if you're just going into that meeting going, you know, not that we necessarily would, but you're going to make this level of return and this is your risk, the shutters are coming down. They want to know they're being looked after, that the people who are around them they can trust. Uh, and because they are engaged, you know that they are going to have more success or you're going to have more success on their behalf. And I think, you know, what, what I found fascinating is, you know, would you say that the, the ecosystem, this whole industry of helping these people has advanced significantly from the days of sort of, you know, the one man manager who I'll do everything for you, don't worry, nodding from both people here just for those. Uh, yeah, can you nod? Yeah, we have a little, we have some sort of emoji that will do that. Uh, and as a result, what are the success stories you've seen? You know, let, let's, let's talk about positivity. Sometimes we can get into the weeds about this is a challenge and that's a challenge. And this is a problem. You know, what are the success stories? You know, where where has it worked? You know, I'm, you know, we, we look after a client, um, very well known uh, chap who was a singer, and I was I'm always amazed by how engaged he is in finances, and and he really knows his stuff. And you know, the outside perspective would be, oh, he's a singer, he's a bit flamboyant, you know, he wears some interesting clothes, but he knows his stuff. And I think that is a true testament to all the work that's been put in around these people uh, and the industry and, and the education they've had. So you know, let's let's look at some stories and where, where it's worked. Where does it go well? Well, I, I think that's 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 a perfect example where the individual is engaged, and I think that is the perhaps the, one of the the buzzword that I would leave would be engagement uh, in terms of the client for their their levels of success. The ones who structured themselves properly by having a professional team around them. Uh, I gave an example before of the, of the family office situation, but then the opposite side is working with another equally high-profile person. They were the world number one in their sport, and they were just taking advice from, I would say, the community that was around them as opposed to professional advisors. And it, it leads to challenges. And... It may be totally coincidental, but seeing some of the financial things that go on and correlating that to their success at the time or lack of, I don't believe are totally unrelated events. And I think if you have a something on your mind, that can be a challenge. Whereas the other side is uh, if you are able to let these people be successful because they don't have to worry then the, the, the success can follow perhaps in their sport as well. Freeing. It's freeing mentally yeah. away from those distractions. If, if you're worried because your Lady Gaga thinking, where my $3 million gone? I've had five number ones. How could this possibly be the case? Then it's going to weigh on your mind. If you are a talented singer who is going to a club and thinking that you're having fun and lots of, uh, lots of great complimentary drinks... And you suddenly get a bill from China Whites that says, by the way, you know, that great night you had, well, you paid for everybody. That's going to cause some problems. And these are things which not just cause problems for the individuals, but if you're in a team or you're in a, a band, 
These are the sorts of things that we've seen throughout the whole of history break bands up. It comes down to the money and who's spent it or where it's been spent. And if someone's spending the band's money in a bar because they wanted a great night out, then these are the sorts of things to be problems. But you know, I say if you're looked after professionally, then you'll have more success. To lead on from that, I think in, in order to engage the talent, they have to pick the right advisor because, as, as you said, Rob, some people are incredibly engaged and want to understand the finances. Some people don't, and that's absolutely fine as well. So when they're looking for an advisor, they need to find somebody that can talk to them at the level they they want to be spoken to. There's a lot of jargon in our industry, and for some people, they're interested and they want to understand it. For some people, they just want it spelled out very simply and in accordance with what's important to them. So you're right, you need to get an advise advisors on board and ones that you can trust and also ones that explain to you what you need to know in in a way that you can completely understand and is relevant for you and to your goals. Have regular savings. I know you earn a lot of money, but save a lot of it because you're fortunate and it doesn't matter if you're a sports person, nature is going to catch up with you. I speak from experience. <laughs> nature is going to catch up with you. You're going to get old and your body is just not going to compete. And unless you happen to play golf, there's not really a business for I'm you. I'm not sure your body competed when you were younger, Johnny, did it? It, mean, it, yeah. it, it, it didn't. It was competing <laughs> with itself, I think. Yeah, it's it was a competition. Um, but, but also the same happens in entertainment. And so the boy band that's hot today cannot be hot in five years time well i mean you say that johnny the s club seven's back you know as i saw on your desk so that was fantastic (laughs) i get your principle i get your principle yeah it took them 20 years to come back and now they're going to tour to middle-aged people who are going to go but you know it's anyway that was my secret about s club seven (laughs) so uh, but but that's just the nature of it and we have all worked with individuals where They've continued to be talented, but we've also worked with individuals where perhaps they didn't have the next big film or they didn't write the next big hit or their sports career didn't quite go as well as as they wanted it to. And, and, and that, is just, that is the nature of it. Our role within that is to try to give them the best advice, look at the cash flow modelling, look at a savings plan, do it regularly, but then think about your structuring Think about what cash you need. Think about currency. It may not be sexy and exciting, but it's what will make these people ultimately wealthier or preserve their wealth more efficiently for them. And 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 so so with these families uh, or individuals, you know, ultimately they do sometimes move. You know, we talked about the the, the example of, of working internationally, but sometimes ultimately they will move for their art form to go to a different area or just because they prefer some warm weather. Uh, you know, in the UK uh, or whatever it might be, wishful thinking. Is it is it all about being aware of the implications of doing it? Because it is ultimately a positive thing and a fun thing and a fortuitous thing. So just make sure you, you understand the implications of what you're doing before it happens. I mean, Janice, you must see this all the time. Yeah. And as much as we think tax should rule the world, it doesn't. And people <laughs> should certainly That is not. recorded, Janice. So now you've said that. <laughs> Don't tell my colleagues. Um, <laughs> Maybe yeah. this was the headline we were looking for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and people should not let, you know, 
those things drive their decisions. You know, they, they should move for their career and their art form for sure. But yeah, they, as usual, there are um, implications of moving countries and some more than others. You just need to be aware and give time to plan. You know, if you can communicate your thoughts and dreams early, we can help make it as smooth as possible. Um, some countries work well when you're leaving the UK and some less so, especially around the US. They have some very interesting rules that don't quite sit well with UK rules. So it's really important to review your situation before you, you leave and make sure that, you know, you're, you're making a move, not just for your career, but that, you know, you know that you, there's no nasty financial surprises waiting for you. And is the US, UK must be a common nexus, you know, or the, the U, US to Europe or more just US, UK, very common? I see more UK, US. There are still issues with Europe as well. You know, every country has different rules. Um, simple things like day-to-day banking has suddenly become a problem for Europeans following Brexit. People think that's that should be a simple day-to-day function. But there are these added complexities and and it's just a little bit of planning. It's just a little bit of thinking around what you're going to do, communicating that so that it can be as smooth and problem-free as possible. And, and trying to sort of, as unexciting as it is when you've just been signed for a multi-billion million pound deal for X club or Y club to think, hold on a second, let's, you know, not, not do the transfer, but think about what I have to be aware of prior to landing in wherever it might be. There's so many opportunities to just benefit what you're doing by taking a little bit of thought or advice in advance. Pre-immigration planning, if you're leaving the UK or you're coming to the UK, anything to do with the US, and and Janice mentioned it, obviously working with US connected clients, anyone going to the US, it sends up a flag. Anyone leaving the US who's a US person, it creates opportunities for them that they have to think about. And they may not have thought about this because you come from a single big country with a homogenized tax regime you don't necessarily think about the implications and you you may have a great team around you who are based around that place that you've come from what you now need to get is a great team around you in the place that you're going to Uh, and I think that's where Janice and I often work together or work with clients because they are naturally mobile and that creates planning opportunities that helps these people become more He's efficient uh, in their finances. I think that one, one thing that we seem to be getting a sort of, sort of a, a theme here is, you know, there is a transient nature to this type of client, you know, whether it be through their work, their life, how they are paid, you know, it could be all up front and then they have to live off that because they won that one tournament or through lumpy deals or, you know, and there is not a lot of certainty or predictability built in. And when you have a combination of transients, i.e. moving around different countries and, a lack of predictability of earnings, you know, how important then does flexibility of what your planning is, you know, actually become a huge impact? Janice, I presume you can't just look at it and go, we're going to do loads of efficient UK tax planning. If they then pop over to the US, it becomes an absolute nightmare. And likewise, Johnny, you can't think, right, from a wealth management perspective, let's make sure they can retire in the UK if they go, well, (laughs) fantastic, we're off to the south of France. You know, so flexibility must be fundamental. Yeah. You have to be able to consider implications outside of the UK boundaries and to allow them to develop their art in the way that they want to without having these financial restrictions. Yes, it's challenging, but 
the benefit of doing it pays off longer term. Where you work with individuals who have people in their network in different locations creates this borderless wealth management or borderless advice around their their taxation. Uh, and that is the key. And it's it's often where these mobile, globally mobile individuals have challenges because they're not necessarily in organisations or taking advice from people who think on that borderless basis. And I think that is where you can really help the, these people take an overview of, of what it is and where they have it. And I guess to your point, Rob, we don't know what life is going to hold. They don't know what life is going to hold. Why, why would they? You can predict and you can plan. But ultimately having flexibility around what you do is really quite key. And that's perhaps another thing that they, you know, they, they need to think about more than anybody is because by their very nature, they have a peripatetic lifestyle. And so it's, uh, it, it's one which... That is a wonderful word to throw into this podcast, John. I mean, it's been on your notepad for the last 25 minutes and you've now found a way to use it. Uh, I think, I, yep, tick, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can just get serendipitous now or something like that in, that'd be wonderful. Anyway, sorry. Look, I, I love these conversations because, you know, basically what we're doing is taking a much more real world approach to managing these types of clients than perhaps sometimes can be more formulaic in the more provincial type of look, very predictable. Uh, I won't say, you know, cookie cutter, but, you know, you have very preordained routes you can go and limitations with a lot of domestic type families who don't have the same transience or or unpredictability. So these sort of discussions are fantastic because there is no right or wrong answer. There is no one type of family. And I think what we've alluded to is there's some really key elements of, you know, get help uh, and don't be afraid of it or mistrusting. Engage it, right? whether it's, and, and understand what level of engagement you want to have and where the elements are important to you. And then flexibility seems to, you know, be fun, a fundamental element. And if you or your advisors can't be flexible, then, that's going to create issues down the line before you know but we're going to end and i never i never warn people this which is fantastic we're going to end on your two fundamental bits of advice in writing signed no that you know if if you were sitting down in front of uh, a talented individual you would say look for heaven's sake just think about these two bits right uh, and it can't be uh, employed London and Capital and SRLV to be uh, your advisors, unfortunately. Well, there are two other bits. <laughs> so, okay. Johnny, I'm going to put you on the spot because Janice is our guest. Johnny, what are your, your, the two things you would say, look, just focus on this and, and, and you're, you, you'll be all right. Take advice and act early. Uh, might, might include those as, as, as one, one, one bit of advice. Uh, and the other is don't put yourself in a cul-de-sac or a, a dead-end position by doing things that may cause you problems down the line maintain that element of flexibility so they'd be me yeah very good very good no very sensible janice um i think definitely to engage at a level that's appropriate but to engage in your financial affairs and yes you do have to do but give a lot of responsibility to other people so you can concentrate on your craft but have an interest and be aware of where you are financially. Um, and I have to echo Johnny, I think act early. You know, if you take that engagement at a very early stage, it will benefit you as you, as your career progresses and, and you grow. Yeah, I just got maybe just one footnote, Rob. And I, I think it's, you know, related. To be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think there's often 
a feeling because I'm high profile in what I do that I have to be seen to be high profile in how I invest. And there's a danger there that is intrinsic because the nature of your role is high risk. And for anyone who's doing any form of investment planning, they'll talk about managing risk or diversifying that away. By taking high risk with your investments, you're just creating multiples of risk. And I was given the phrase the other day by somebody who was looking to see whether our clients, perhaps knowing we have some high profile clients, would be interested in a high profile venture capital fund. And they use the term athletepreneur. You know, I, 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 you know, I think it sort of encapsulated some of the problems that we you know, these individuals have within the advice sometimes that they're being given, which is it's it may be a great investment for somebody, but it might not be a great one for you. And I just that's my that's my footnote to this. Yeah, no, don't layer on risk with the what is inherently a risky industry. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Well, look. Great discussion. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Janice, thank you so much for coming and being our guest. Johnny, thank you for joining us on this uh, this podcast. And I hope to see you both soon. Thank you, Rob. Yeah, thanks very much, Rob. Thanks for having us on this episode of Wealth Stories. Subscribe to the series to hear personal stories, learnings and discussions around real life cases. It's an investment you won't regret.